Thanks, Lisa. Fantastic. You're very, very great. That's exciting, Neil. Uh, you'll have to show me some of your photos of your girts and your yurts and some of your toilets, maybe. They sound very interesting. <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. Why don't we just take a couple of minutes to say hello to someone in the church. Try and find someone that you don't know. See if you can find out what they had for breakfast this morning. Thank you. Are you Pastor Murray? Doctor Murray? <laughs> Half Doctor Murray? Half Doctored Murray? <laughs> Doesn't it? Yes. Thank you for coming. Hey Sam, just play the video, thanks, and uh, I'll come back to the seats.
she can sing, and I watch that and I think I could almost be a piano player. I mean, how hard could it be to look cool and just go like this, you know? Uh, you know, great ballad, uh, all that greatness and all that gold. And the theme behind that is about taking care of your soul. And Jesus said the same thing many years ago when he said, you know, where your treasure is, there will be your heart. So we'll have our first lineup today. We're just looking at Something so you can relax. I'm not talking about money today, but I'm talking about our trap that we can be in this modern world, particularly in the Western world, where we think having stuff makes you happy. Making stuff, having stuff, your stuff, my stuff. It's funny you know that her stuff is where my stuff should be. (laughs) And we need to have now little uh, storage units where I can store my extra stuff. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there is your heart. It's often humanistic advice these days that we often give to people. It's one of those nice things that we say that really means a lot of fluff, which is follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. The trouble is Hitler followed his heart. The real problem is what if your heart is pointed in the wrong direction? What if your heart sets its affection on something that is going to be damaging to you? That's the problem. And Jesus gave a solution many years ago. In the message version, he says this on the Sermon of the Mount. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and is corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven where it's safe from the moth and rust and the burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? Say it's obvious. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is obvious. The place where your treasure is, is the place where you'll most want to be and where you'll end up being. If the only way to get to heaven is to put our heart's affection into heaven, some of us are in trouble. If that's the only way to get into heaven, is to put so much in heaven that that's where my heart is pointed, some of us are in trouble. So they call it the affluenza pandemic now, not influenza, affluenza pandemic. And this is not something created by uh, American preachers with loud sports coats who want your money. This is something developed by social behavioral theorists, people looking at our society and saying, What's wrong with our society? Slide two. 
Now we look at this. This is a phenomenon of the Western world. It's called hoarding. They actually do reality TV shows now about hoarding. I just want you to know this is not my study. Okay. <laughs> and people look at this and we can say, or let me just do a little pop quiz. Who thinks this is healthy? Oh, someone thinks it's healthy. We, we would look at that and say, these are people that have a problem. And that problem is that somehow they believe that they need lots and lots of stuff around them that they may feel good about themselves, that they may feel secure. And we'd look at that and say, that stuff is a bunch of rubbish. It won't help you. But who knows that we're all actually trapped by exactly the same deal. Just their stuff's not as good as my stuff. My wife loves the Verge pickup. Does anybody else here like Verge pickups? She'll get in the little, um, you know, the four-wheel drive. She'll drive around and she'll find all these wonderful things that'll only take me five minutes to fix. (laughs) But it's amazing how someone else's rubbish is someone else's treasure, isn't it? But we can look at that and say, that's not healthy. These people are placing their security, their sense of significant self-worth in having stuff. And they're being buried by it, sadly. Here's a few more signs. These are what the scientists say, not us. It's a term that's been developed by a social scientist to describe the cancer destroying our world. Now, that is an amazing statement, isn't it? It's not from the Bible. This is from scientists. People are studying our world. They're saying, this disease is what's destroying the world. Because where does our... Um, global climate problems come from, or where does our pollution come from, or where does the... It's all about the fact that people want more stuff. So here's a few more slides, uh, a few more things. Indications that things may not be quite so well. 50 TV channels and nothing to watch. Yeah? Here's another one. Wardrobes packed with clothes but nothing to wear. Here's another one, Baskin and Robbins, 1,000 flavours, but nothing I like. <laughs> Here's a, one me and I choose to download, but nothing that suits me. Enough toys, Mum, to open the store, yet I'm bored. An app for everything, but I've got nothing to do. Acres of shopping more, but there's nothing to buy. A smorgasbord of delights, but they don't have my favourite cheese. There is something wrong with the world. Number three. Thanks, guys. We are totally addicted to the media, and the media's got a business. They have a business of delivering audiences to advertisers. Advertisers are in the business of turning audiences into consumers. And the modern world has turned you and I into a consumer. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's too late. You are a consumer. Your job on the earth, according to the systems that are around, is to consume. And if tomorrow the world, if they suddenly made a decision, we will stop consuming beyond that which we need for a house, for food and for clothing. If we stop consuming, the economies of the world would collapse overnight. The two, it's called hyperreality by Peter Cornell. It's a search it's the idea that the search for meaning begins in a David Jones catalogue. 
The problem, of course, is that this hyper-reality is a fantasy and it lies to us. And eventually you get mugged by reality. We are told that Paris Hilton is to be envied and her self-indulgent lifestyle is the pinnacle of what life's all about. That's what we're told. But behind the glitz and the glamour, there is a life struggling for happiness and meaning and she's the poster girl for the empty, the vacuous, the hollowness of celebrity culture. And I can't say celebrity, so you'll need to say he meant that word. In the meantime, we're led down the path of discontent. Advertising's meant to say that you need more. You have to be unhappy. You need a better haircut. You need a better smile. You need a better deodorant. You need better shoes. You need better, better, better. You need more. That's all you need. You just need more. That's what you're told. You don't have enough. You need more stuff. And so there's a mobile plan that's better for you than the one you've got. Eventually, this consumer path leads us to the uh, valley of discontent where we believe that just buying one more thing will make me happy. Then that word there, disillusionment led. I... Has there ever been anything in your life that you've really, really wanted? I mean, really wanted. Really wanted. For me, it was a train set. As I grew up from a very poor home, uh, actually, we were middle class, but there was not a lot of money around back in the last century, guys. You know, you got one present maybe a year, and I wanted a train set. I want a little wind-up train set and go round and round like that. And I got a racing car set. I was so broken. I've been in therapy for years. I so wanted a train set that I ran away from home. I, I mean, this was, is this a big deal for me. I wanted a train set. Ran away from home. So we lived in Les Moody at that time. I was 10 years of age approximately, and I got to the bottom of the hill, almost got as far as Kelmscott, and it started to get dark. I thought it might be a good time to go home. <laughs> Only trouble, it was downhill. It was easy going downhill. I wanted a train set so bad. It was like the end of the world. A few years later, I bought a train set. I was really happy with it for about 10 minutes. <laughs> but you know what? did the same thing the cars did. Went round and round and round again. Isn't it amazing that we will do that to ourselves? If I can just have this thing, it will make me happy. And if we are listening well today, you know it's a lie, don't you? You know it's a lie because you wanted that thing and you got that thing. And yes, it was good for a moment, but only for a moment. Then you wanted more. Then you wanted the next thing, the next line. So this is why we're now in this terrible thing where our society is now feeding off itself as modernities of progress have reached this critical point now where we're literally going into social regress. That's why we're one of the most wealthy countries in the world. Perth is one of the most expensive cities apparently in the southern hemisphere to live in, believe it or not. Despite our wealth, despite our sophisticated health systems, juvenile dental health, is at declining levels, diabetes is skyrocketing, obesity is skyrocketing. One in four young people have a mental health problem in Australia and Beyond Blue, one of our other mental health organisations, says one in five uh, 
Australian suffer chronic depression. Something's wrong, isn't it? It's really wrong. What is required, guys, is for Christians to be Christians, to take Jesus at his word, to actually say that when he says, don't worry about these things, the pagans worry after things, but don't think about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Isn't Solomon all his glory arrayed like one of these things? The birds sow, neither do they reap, but God will take care of the birds. And aren't you worth more than a bird? I think you're worth more than a bird. More than a chicken anyway. (laughs) We need a community, a Christ-called community that knows how to live simply, not poverty, but to live simply, but joyfully, to live temperate, but generously, to live disciplined, but open and full of grace. Next slide. Thank you. Jesus speaks of It's never enough. You cannot worship two gods. One is the true God and one is the other God. It's false. And in the Greek language, Jesus does something quite radical. He takes money, the word money, and actually personalizes it. He turns it into an entity that you can have a relationship with. And only this is set up as a potential rival to God. Everything else the Bible calls as a false God and is no rival to God. But money, Jesus says, is a potential rival for our affections because it lies to us and tells you that if you've got money, you don't have trouble, your life will be good, nothing will be, everything will be okay. With money, you can have happiness. And yet every one of us knows it's a lie, don't we? So Jesus says, no, you can't do this. And he gives it this personality because it will compete for your affection. It will compete for your time, your interest, your energy, and your peace. It will never, ever be enough. And you can't get no satisfaction no matter how hard you try. True. But a man rang me up on Wednesday night and I was at home trying to do a bit of study. And he used to attend our church many years ago. He says, Pastor Mike, do you remember me? I said, oh, I didn't. He says, you told me something really wise. You told me not to go into investments. I can't remember the man, can't remember saying. But the long story short is, uh, apparently I sat down with him and we had a very brief conversation. He says, I'm going to do this with my house. I'm going to do that and stuff. And I just said, go very slow. Just you know, count your costs, count your risks. Well, all these years later, he's bankrupt and he owes the, owes the banks millions of dollars and it's going to become a whole case. But it's so sad, isn't it? That could happen to any one of us where we place our affection in the wrong place. And this is Jesus' deal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. It's not where your heart is, there your treasure follows. It's the other way around. Where you put your value, there your affections will go. And if you find that you're not loving church, you're not loving God, you're not loving the community of God here, maybe it's because your heart is in some other direction. And then when you invest in the kingdom of God, all of a sudden the heart expands and you want to love God, love people, and love what he's doing on this earth. Two Bible principles very quickly. First of all, just to help very quickly, when it comes to wealth and everything, it all belongs to God. God owns it all. 
In fact, he owns you. <laughs> you don't ourselves. The trouble is we talk about my car, my house, my plasma, whatever, and we don't understand God hands it all. It's his, and he lets us use it. What an amazing thing. We get to play with God's stuff for free. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, and the world and those that dwell therein. It's all his, even you. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. That means even my wedding ring that I've worn for some 35 years. Bless you, Jesus. That's worth a lot to me. But you know, end of that, God's letting me wear it because it belongs to him. The Bible says it all belongs in. Point number one, it all belongs to God. Point number two, fast sermon. We are stewards. The trouble is you won't hear about that unless you're on a Qantas flight or you are going to church. You will not hear the concept of stewardship. We're not used to it these days. Another way we'd probably understand it in a more modern context is that we are the employees of the boss. The boss is Jesus. The earth, the cosmos, is his business. And his business is about glorifying his father. And he engages with you and me to help with that process. He says, help me glorify God. And he says, but what he says, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you an endowment of money. I'm going to invest with you, and you get to choose your own salary. It's not a bad deal, is it? Just in real terms, this is how it works out. It would be like a billionaire giving you $43 million. Now, the $43 million is calculated basically on the number of minutes that a person will be on the face of the earth if they live to 75 years of age. So you have, if you're going to live to 75, you're going to have 43 million minutes to spend. I've probably just used up a few. I apologize. <laughs> it's a lot of minutes, isn't it? 43 million minutes. And he says, I give you 43 million minutes. You can set your own wage on that, but it'd be really good if you help me build the family business. Well, if you look at the global averages for the church of Jesus Christ, not talking about outsiders, talking about insiders, looking at global averages, it's about 2% of what we give back to God. So it's the equivalent of God giving you 43 million minutes to help build the kingdom and us giving him back six hours over a life. Pretty startling, isn't it? Really startling. If all of us lost our job and went on to Social Security and tithed, globally the income of the Church of Jesus Christ would increase by 300%. Isn't it amazing? Absolutely amazing. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Don't let it be that way. He wants to partner. Who wants to be a partner with God? Enter this incredible partnership where God says, I'm going to give you all this income, all this wealth. I wonder if you'll just give a bit back my way. He says that's the source of happiness, to do it that way. Here's a little poem from Bondage to spiritual faith. This is the way up in our faith. We go from bondage to spiritual faith. You find people that are addicted to sin have no money. 
from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage. When you start to get faith, you start to say, I can change my life. From courage to liberty. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm getting some freedom. All the free people said. From liberty to abundance. Isn't that wonderful? As we come to God, the bondage goes, faith comes, courage to change begins to happen. As we change, freedom comes. And when the freedom, there's also abundance. I've seen that happen to people over and over again. But here's the problem. What does abundance do? Instead of us leading to a life where we sow it back in the kingdom, abundance can lead to selfishness and selfishness to complacency. And from complacency, we go to apathy. From apathy, we go back into dependency. From dependency, we go into bondage. Um, when you travel, you normally ought to stay at a hotel or a motel or maybe a bed and breakfast, something like that. But, uh, there are some pretty interesting motels in the world. I think some of the worst are found in Australia on the Nullarbor where you've got no choice. <laughs> it's either here or a thousand kilometres the other way. But imagine you're pulling into a roadhouse, um, which you just put up the next slide, thanks to. Uh, I'm not anti-Apple, by the way, just I thought it was a little joke. Um, you're pulling into a roadhouse, and uh, there it is. It's the uh, stock standard Aussie motel. We walk in there. There's a few spiders in the corner, dead cockroaches over there and stuff. And, you know, it's done in brown for some reason. It's all nice and brown. It's comfortable. The air conditioner rattles a little bit, you know, but it's okay. There's a little bar fridge there. You pull the fridge, see things in there, and the door comes off. But yeah, it's all right. Just put the door back. It's fine. It's all right. Turn on the TV. There's no batteries in the remote control. Have you been to this motel? No, it doesn't work. So you're into this motel. But then your wife. I'm going to blame the wife. She's not here. To, I'm, I'm safe today. If you don't talk to her, I'm, I'm safe. The wife goes down to the mall with the credit card and she buys a new doona for the bed. Comes back in, takes the old doona, throws out, puts a new doona on it. Nice, isn't it, Mike? Says, yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's very nice and stuff. Then she comes in, brings in the plasma TV set, bought this beautiful seven-inch plasma, throws out the old TV and stores that into the motel room. At this stage, I'm getting to think, what's going on here? Then she goes out and wheels in the little trolley. Uh, in the old days, she carried it on her back, tough little girl she was. And there's a new fridge. Stores a new fridge. And then in comes the new crockery the new silver, the new lighting, and she's doing up this motel room. And it's just starting to look really good. I mean, you could actually want to stay here now. But there's a problem. It's not ours. <laughs> We're not going to be there forever. One day we leave. <laughs> Guys, that's what a lot of us are trapped into right now. And hear me in context. Context is always good. Not against you having a house. Not against you having a car. Not against you all that stuff. But we've got to push back on the lie that says that's what's going to make us happy because it brings us great sadness many times. And this is not our treasure. We are meant to be sending the treasure ahead of us, investing into the kingdom. 
you know, I know my brother Neil Fairbrother is going to do really well in heaven because he's got treasure in heaven. He's got treasure. There are some Mongolian kids yet who don't, he has never even met. They're up there waiting one day in the fullness of time to welcome him home and say, brother, he's got treasure in heaven. And this is what Jesus said. You know, God will provide for your food. He'll provide for your clothing. He'll provide for your shelter. And don't worry about the rest. May God set us free from the spirit of this age. It's the spirit of this age. Why do you think right now there are more people down the Armadale Mall than their own church? It's a symptom of this age. They are actually looking for meaning. They're actually looking for purpose. They're looking for the perfect dress, the perfect phone, the perfect what, thinking it will buy them some meaning or satisfaction. It's a lie. Jesus says that life does not consist in the abundance of the things one owns. Life is simpler than that. It's a sunset. It's a picked rose. It's a smell of a baby's uh, a baby just born with the... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> Can I just push rewind? <laughs> push rewind. <laughs> no, there's a smell of a baby that I think... Uh, I think it's baby powder, actually. <laughs> the smell of baby powder. That's what I was after. How <laughs> was other stuff? Oh, dear Lord. I was wanting this to finish so well. All that glitter and all that gold... You know, look, take care of your soul. Take care of your soul. There's a competition right now for your soul. And there are two gods out there. Well, there's one in here as well. His name's Jesus. And he wants your soul. The devil wants your soul. And he's going to try and buy it through the pride of life, what you see, what you taste, the pull upon your life. It's time for Christians again to stand and say, the source of my life is Jesus Christ. He is my supply. He is my reason. He is my meaning. He is my purpose. It is he that makes me complete. It's he that makes me victorious. It's he that defines me. I will not find what I need in life in a Myers catalog or on the iPod, or on the, all the other distractions that we have in our world, God set us free. You know, it was quite tragic when they found Saddam Hussein in his little spider hole back there in the 80s, and they dig him up, and there he is. He's unclean, he hasn't washed for days, he's got this unkempt beard, and yet he's got his suitcase full of millions of dollars. <laughs> Didn't help him at all. <laughs> didn't help him at all. In Zimbabwe, I'm told that if you go to a gents' toilet in Zimbabwe, there will be a warning sign on the road, on the, on the sign of the gents' toilet. Please do not use money for toilet paper. Because the currency has become so inflated, it's so worthless, that people are using it now for toilet paper. And apparently it blocks up the drains. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. Take the hand of someone next to you. We're going to pray. Father, I pray that you'd orientate our heart towards you and our relationship with you.
Help us, Lord, to carve off our time and our energy, Lord, and our focus so that we delight ourselves in you. Lord, the psalmist says that if we will delight ourselves in you, that you will give us the very desires of our heart. Lord, it sounds counterintuitive, but that's the incredible thing. When we love you, Lord, our desires become healthy and the sorts of things, Lord, that you can lead us into. That over and over again, good things will happen, abundance happens. Well, but sometimes it's a simple thing. Lord, it's a hug from someone who generally cares. It's a smile from a stranger. Lord, it's a nice cup of hot tea, Lord, shared in front of a sunset. Lord, these are the things that we should value. These are the things, Lord, that life's about. And Lord, set us free from the stuff, Lord, this demand, this animal of society that says we just need more and more and more. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that revelation would come. Lord, you'd set us free from a mindset, Lord, that will make it all about the job and what's in my bank account. Lord, that defines me. Lord, now our identity is locked in you as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, that you've lifted us up, that you give us victory, Lord, that you pay all of our bills, that you meet all of our needs according to your riches in glory, Father, and we will not fret, we will not worry, Lord, we'll not be concerned about these things because our trust is not in our bank account, Lord. It's not in our stocks and our shares. It's not in our superannuation, Lord. Our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. God bless you. Now, before you go...